up podcast world welcome back to working at the wheel we're so happy that you are here to join us for our fourth episode in our identity theft series if you've been listening along you know what our identity theft series is but if you haven't we're really just looking at the idea of the enemy trying to truly steal our identity away from christ and how we can use christ as the ultimate weapon to fight back against him so we've got some really awesome guests here today where we're truly talking about the idea of surrender and surrendering all of our spheres um, to God, as we like to call it. So whether it be in messiness, cleanliness, times of mental stress or striving, um, how we can truly break down those barriers in our surrender to God. So we've got my co-host here today, Miss Katie Cheesebro. How's it going? Fantastic. How are you? I'm doing really good, Katie. Glad to have you on. I think you were on pretty recently too, so glad to have you back. And making his second appearance on the Badger Crew podcast, going all the way back to the very first episode, Mr. Ben Newton. How's it going over there? It's going well. Good to be back. And then making his first appearance, Mr. Brad Risch. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Like I said, so today we're talking about just surrender and the ideas of surrender and a lot of barriers that can actually come from it. Um, So what are the things that we're hiding from God? What are the things that are holding us back? And these things that we really want to dive into. So I'm wondering if anybody has any opening comments that they really want to start this conversation out. Um, And me and Katie will post some questions along the way, but open floor, guys. Let's, Let's see what we've got about surrender. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty broad topic. Um, I think that the Christian life in general is one of surrender. Like there's some capital S surrender times in our life where we really give over something specific to the Lord. But really, like I think surrender is like a moment by moment walking with Jesus, just part of how to do the Christian life. So excited to dive in a little more. Brad's already digging into his Bible there, so I'm, I'm sure all of you could hear that. So Brad, anything to add to that? Yeah, when I think of surrender, I guess I really think of um, Jesus's words to his disciples, he says that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed also when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels. So I guess I see, when I, when I hear this, I just, I'm thinking of surrender. I think of the, the call to, to just dying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I see that as just a central theme in the Christian life, one of, of daily dying to ourselves, dying to our wills and our desires, our plans, and, and, and taking up our cross, you know, which is the ultimate sign of, of denial. And, and, you know, when, when his disciples would have heard this, that would have been like, well, what are you talking about? I'm going to take up a cross? That's, for, that's what criminals take up, mm-hmm. and this is a shameful thing. Um, it was something that was you know, excruciatingly painful. And, but yeah, it's, it's just the sign of, of utter you know, surrender to, to Jesus. I think it's really key that like, it doesn't end with the cross too, though, right, Brad? Like, it goes to the resurrection, and I think like, with surrendering, we can have life too, like real life actually in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's not just surrendering for the sake of surrendering. It's because we can experience real life. So that's good, man. Totally. One of my favorite pictures that was painted out, I think it was at my freshman year crew winter conference. So that would have been just over two years ago was the idea of like, you know, so many times as Christians, we will wear something, you know, we will wear the cross, whether it be necklaces or bracelets for, for women or like t-shirts or hats or even like a pin um, for guys. And what you were saying, Brad is like that, that symbol, the cross symbol was 
not something that people just wore lightly, especially when Jesus was alive. It was a token of a criminal. So for us to bear that image and want to represent even wearing something like that, I think really um, stands true to what you were saying in terms of we want to take up our daily cross. And it's a lot more than just putting on a cross necklace in the morning, right? It's it's a daily surrender. It's a daily pursuit of the Lord and the relationship that he can provide. Uh, but yeah, I just really like that imagery that you're painting out with the cross being something that isn't, wasn't always a depiction of hope. But with Jesus, now it is. Yeah, and I guess you guys are talking around, kind of throwing around the word daily. Uh, for me, it's every minute, every hour, I have to Um, It's not just I wake up and I'm like, you know what, today I think I'm going to surrender my life. Um, It's every minute. Sometimes troubles cross my path and it's not easy just to be like, oh, this morning I said I was going to surrender, so I guess I'll surrender. It's a constant reminder. Um, And those symbols are important. Just having that around your neck, having that on your wrist, um, on your t-shirt, whatnot. I mean, every minute you have to live your life set apart and that is through continuous and constant surrender because... When you die to worldly desires, you truly live for him, and that's the best life you can ask for. I guess when I think of uh, surrender also, um, you know, I wouldn't want to surrender to someone who's not worthy of my surrender. Mm -hmm. I think what what makes surrendering something that's actually uh, advantageous for us is because we're surrendering to a Lord who is, is worthy of our surrender. And I just wanted to read another passage from... Philippians 1 here it says only let your matter or your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ and so it says that our manner must be be worthy of of the gospel of Christ and then it goes it goes on even in the next chapter to talk about how um, how Jesus who who though he was in the form of God did not account equality with God a thing to be um, grasped or taken advantage of, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, mm-hmm. being born the likeness of men, being found in a human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. And it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord um, to the glory of God, the father. So, it's because of this reality that Jesus is actually Lord of all, that he, he was in God's form, but he humbled himself, and, and that he is now, see, at the right hand of God, that it's because of that that he is worthy Lord to um, surrender our lives to. Yeah, I think a lot of what has to do with surrender has to go along with the character of God. And we surrender ourselves very much like you were saying because he is worthy of our surrender because he has the ability and power to take our surrender and something to relate to what you were just saying too i recently read a book that really painted some really cool imagery about how jesus could have came down in any type of person but he came down as a poor jewish boy who was raised from a baby on and didn't even start ministry until he was around 30 years old so he's you know it's just thinking about the circumstances that he chose to put himself in so that he could relate to his creation so much more to me is just another way of him absolutely showing his love and his worthiness of our surrender and how our surrender coincides with his character like that and not only the character of jesus but the character of god and the holy spirit all combined 
And I think that's what we want to kind of want to get in today too. And really looking at specifically the seven I am statements in the Bible found in John. Um, and if anyone would really love to give just a quick summary of, of what maybe the I am statements are, if, if someone has never really heard of them. Yeah. I mean, when Jesus says I am, like with most things, I think he's, he's using language that would have been uh, really resonating with his listeners. And so I just think about the Old Testament when Moses is leading the Israelites out of slavery. And he says, well, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? And God says, tell him I am sent me. And so that's kind of the same language that Jesus uses throughout the book of John, um, saying, I am, like I am uh, the true vine, right? Like I am the door. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, I'm the resurrection and the life. He kind of says these I am statements. I am the daily bread, right? And so, yeah, I think Jesus is referring to himself as a God, but also as the one that he, uh, that can act ultimately satisfy and sustain us. So I think that's where he's going with those. And I think it would have been really um, clear to the, to the listeners that were familiar with the Old Testament, what he was saying, mm-hmm. which is cool. And even without the context of the Old Testament, just reading these statements in John is just as powerful. Hearing Jesus testify, I am this, I am that, and making it super clear cut to us who he is, why he's here, what he's going to do, and how he has the power to do that is something that is just truly undeniable when he says it just as blatantly like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's what's cool is that Jesus... Um, Jesus creates a new paradigm because he basically like trumps whatever the Old Testament says, and he actually goes beyond our behaviors to actually our heart, mm-hmm. um, which is which is something really unique. So, I was thinking about this uh, leading into this conversation, um, and I think surrender is something that is a Christian lingo that we throw around maybe quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a popular um, thing for our society to really uh, get behind. True. Like our society wants to be. Uh, winners. We want to demand our rights. And I think just in general, uh, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom, right? And I think uh, what's really convicting for me is that I think we have a buffet line Christianity a lot of the time where we uh, want to choose what we want and want to not, not uh, pay attention to what we don't want. Like mm-hmm. uh, when Jesus says, uh, come to me if you're weary and I'll give you rest. It's like, yeah, I want a couple scoops of that. Uh, but make disciples of all nations. Uh, maybe I'll pass on that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm your father and I love you. Yes, I'll take some of that. Um, pick up your cross and follow me. Uh, I'm a little bit hesitant for that. And so yeah. I think our tendency is, to, again, kind of just pick and choose what we want to uh, pay attention to, what we want to submit to. Yeah, and I guess going off that, it's not easy for sure. I mean, in my own life, um, um, I guess surrender is all about dying to worldly things, but God created some pretty cool things on this earth. And I mean, it's not always easy. Um, so I think a lot of times it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be Christian today. I'm going to surrender that. Um, that's your daily choice. But then it's like, well, I kind of want to do this today, but really, I mean, it's not as easy as it sounds either. So, um, making that surrender, not easy in the moment, but eternally is fantastic. So I guess, um, long-term, surrender or short-term surrender for long-term um eternal life which i think is a pretty good trade-off myself so yeah yeah i think there's a lot of things that hold us back from true surrender um whether it be the fear and judgment 
reputation of this world of, of other people right um whether it be giving up like you were saying katie things that might still be good but are inherently hurting our relationship with jesus or, or we're idolizing them or putting them above our relationship with god and the question i want to pose is how do we go about finding those things and combating maybe like fear and judgment things of this world that can really push back at us um or the fear of like maybe ruining relationships, friendships, you know, it, a lot of times it happens where you start walking with Jesus super fast and maybe some of the closest people around you don't. Um, and there can be a lot of surrender in that position that isn't going to be easy. So I guess, how do we bring forth those things, whether they be small or super big, um, to truly surrender to God? And, and what does that process look like? Um, I guess one initial step I always think of is prayer. Uh, prayer is such a powerful, f- powerful tool that we have been given. And truly, um, I mean, we talked about the messiness of life, um, mental health struggles. A lot of times um, it's really easy to just keep those inside and hide those from not just the world, but God. And um, a lot of times it's like, no, I, I mean, he was perfect. I want to be perfect, but that's not how life works. So um, truly just taking that, I don't want to say small step because it's not easy sometimes, but taking that step, um, and just being like, Lord, I am broken. I am messy and I need your help. And just allowing him, inviting him in, uh, God's not going to go into a place where he's not welcome. And so you need to take that step to invite him into your struggles. And that's where you're really going to see, um, him work through that and really use, use those struggles for the better. And so I guess prayer and just inviting him in is one initial step that um, I would encourage everyone to take. I guess along those lines, um, just want to read one more passage from Romans 12. It says, I appeal to you brothers by the mercies of God to present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy um, and blameless to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to the to this world, but mm-hmm. be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. That you that by testing you may be able to discern what is the perfect will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So just kind of going along also the idea of dying dying daily of of it, it's this idea of looking, um, just beholding God as he truly is, which we can do through, you know, reading his word and seeing his character and his holiness um, and, and just the greatness of God. And the more that we know who he is and, and know how he is holy, it then enables us to be to be holy ourselves and to, to surrender things at the, the foot of the cross. And it says that that like we are we are to come to God because of his because of his mercies, because of, you know, the gospel and what he's done for us, and we, we're coming to him as, as living sacrifices, you know, in the Old Testament speaks of all the different sacrifices that the Israelites performed. Um, but, but we are now coming together as a church before God as, as these, these spiritual sacrifices that, um, that, that it says we're holy and acceptable before him and that instead of now being, you know, conformed to the way that we used to live um, before we came to know Jesus, we are to be daily transformed and renewed into his his very likeness yeah i mean i guess i have a couple thoughts uh one i think uh the gospel the good news never says uh surrender so that you will be accepted it Mm -hmm. says uh you're accepted now 
surrender. Yeah. And I think there's something really powerful for me about uh, knowing that if I do or don't surrender uh, or not surrender anything to the Lord uh, day by day, he's not going to love me less or more based on my performance. Mm. I think most of the time I, I, I focus on my devotion to God. And I think it's actually a lot more uh, important to refocus on his devotion to me. And that's the kind of God that I want to surrender to, the kind of God that I can trust, that I don't need to perform, to, perform for. Um, and one of my favorite passages in Scripture is in Hebrews 4, where uh, the author says that since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession because we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, mm-hmm. but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we can have mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I just think, man, only in Christianity, only in the gospel, uh, do we have a God who instead of uh, being distant and telling us what to do or what not to do or demanding things, only in Christianity do we have a God who actually has come and entered in um, and experienced our mess and experienced uh, temptations, but is without sin. And so I think what's really encouraging about that to me is that uh, I can, I'm connecting with a God who actually is my friend, um, who, who can experience, who has experienced uh, the temptation to not want to give things over, uh, but did so without sin. And so knowing that I can connect with God, uh, knowing that he's experienced heart conditions and, and uh, temptations uh, that I have but did it perfectly, makes me want to actually draw near to him even more, uh, which I think is, is really, really important. I think the other thing we think of, too, when it comes to surrender, just building off that, is it's a lot of hard work. And I think the first thing that we need to remember is that the work is already done. And the work was already done by Jesus dying on the cross for us. Is The easiest part to me, I think, is just saying, here you go, God, take this. I don't want it anymore. And I think surrender can sometimes be as simple as that. Um, there are definitely a lot more things in our life that take more processing, that take more um, really digging in deep to see what God is truly trying to reveal to us. But at the end of the day, the work is done for us. The battle is won for us. So when we're stressing out too much about trying to figure out how to surrender things ourselves and trying to figure out how to move on ourselves, I think the easiest thing to do is just continue to take that to God and continue to let him reveal those things to you on what processes to take, what steps to take next, how to truly, like you were saying, Brad, be changed um, through the Holy Spirit living within us. Um, And I think that's a really logical step that sounds like, oh, it's that easy. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, it does take quite a bit of processing to get through. But at the end of the day, we don't have to fight anything ourselves because that battle has already been fought and won for us by Jesus. And I guess one thing that came to mind was um, Luke 19, how Jesus comes into Jericho and um, Zacchaeus, a short guy, um, is trying to see Jesus, but there's this huge crowd, obviously Jesus is a popular guy. Um, And I guess a lot of times with um, these struggles and with not fully surrendering, um, we can feel small, kind of like Zacchaeus, uh, he's short physically, but I think emotionally, mentally, we can feel small and feel uh, distant from Jesus as well. Um, and there's so many people in the way, and not just people, but it can be society. It can be things, um, I guess, when things get in between us and Jesus, it's 
distracting, honestly. Um, there's, it's hard to see him when there's stuff towering over you and you feel so small. Uh, but Zacchaeus, he found a tree, and he took that one little step and was able to climb it. Uh, it was a sycamore fig tree. He climbed to the top, and through that, um, he could finally see Jesus, and Jesus then took that step um, and reached out and was like, Zacchaeus, I'm staying at your place tonight. But, <laughs> but really, it's uh, so since Zacchaeus took that extra step and was able to rise above those people, and I guess in our lives it can be people, it can be whatnot, since he was able to rise against his struggles, um, he was able to see Jesus and invite him in, and Jesus took that. Um, took that opportunity and was able to connect with him then. So I know a lot of times we feel small and can feel like stuff is just towering over us and we're so far from Jesus, but I encourage you all to, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it may be, but take that that extra step and climb that tree so you're able to um, see Jesus and invite him in. Um, and that can be, like we said, through prayer, through surrender, um, so that we can get that off our chest and invite the Lord in. Yeah, Katie, I think that transitions really well into kind of the next part that we want to talk about in terms of like, okay, how does God react now to us wanting to break down these barriers and surrender things? Um, So a question I want to pose is what in God's character lets us know that we can trust him with these things, the little things, the big things, the deepest, darkest secrets that we have in our lives, you know, what in his character really reminds us that we can bring it to him? Yeah, Vicky. So, First Peter says in chapter five, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you, casting your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after, and after you have suffered for a little while." The God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So I think what really, for me at least, I believe for anybody, a reasoning for, for why we can trust God is because, like it says here, he, he cares for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, it sounds cliche. You know, <laughs> God cares for you. God loves you. Like, we know all these things, but it's, it's so true. And he, he cares for us, and that's why we can cast our anxieties before him. That's that's why, because we also know that um, that those who are in Christ, um, after after we have experienced these these sufferings, which we all will experience, because because it says here the devil, our adversary, is looking to destroy us, and he's going to throw all sorts of stuff at us. But he said it says resist him, firm in our faith, and we can we can do this because we know that. Our brothers and sisters are experiencing the same sufferings all throughout the world, and we have the assurance in Christ that that after we have suffered, God, um, who has called us into His grace, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So I think it's just the knowledge that God is a God of of restoration, mm-hmm. of, of of I guess strengthening us, and He's eventually going to bring us with Him into His heavenly kingdom. I think that passage works really well when we're talking about this whole identity theft series too because it exclusively highlighted the character of God, which is good and loving and caring, also while highlighting the character of the enemy, which is trying to steal all those things away from us, which is exactly the overarching theme that we're trying to get across with this identity theft series of, you know, 
God is the person that we can take all this to, and the enemy is going to try to steal that away. So when we can use God as our power and our strength and our weapon to fight the battle against the enemy, it's a guaranteed win every single time. I mean, I think it's interesting that, like, God already knows when we're hiding stuff from him. Like, I think about, like, even page three of the Bible and, like, when sin entered the world and how mm-hmm. uh, Adam and Eve's initial response is to hide and how God actually seeks them out in the garden and is calling to them. And I think, I think that's a cool picture of, of God's pursuit of us, um, despite our separation and our sin. Like, he comes after us, um, and he, he invites us to actually be be hidden in him as opposed to hiding from him. Mm. Um, and I just think like, man, the bringing things into the light and surrendering things is, is really, really important because it reminds me that I'm not impressive, mm. <laughs> that I'm not uh, actually the main character in the storyline yeah. uh, that Jesus is. And when I do that, when I bring things into the light and I experience him changing me from the inside out, um, I, A, kind of understand more how far I fall short from God's standard, and B, I remember how much I'm loved and how safe it is actually to bring things into the light. Like, I don't know if this resonates much with what we're going for, but I think about like 2 Corinthians and, and Paul having this thorn in his side in 2 Corinthians 12 and him asking God to take away this thorn in the side. And in verse 7, chapter 12, it says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Then he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell on me. And so I think, yeah, our, our tendency is to want to be uh, victorious and triumphant. And as we bring things into the light, as we surrender things, hopefully God will take them away. Uh, but sometimes I think he actually allows you to experience suffering and not taking away certain things because he wants to remind us uh, we're not impressive. He is impressive. And actually, the more that we rely on him, uh, the more amazing and beautiful he looks. And I think that the tendency is for Christians to think Christianity is about me having it all together. And that's actually the opposite of what Christianity is. It's realizing we don't, and it's pointing towards the one who does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, even like collectively bringing stuff into the light, confessing sin uh, together as a community, I think reminds us of that, that we are broken uh, and that Jesus is the one that we need to run to. And I guess relating it back to Zacchaeus, um, I was listening to Lamoris Crawford talk last night, and he was like, Jesus wasn't like, Hey, Peter, little guy in the tree, what's his name? Like, he knew his name. He called him Zacchaeus. He, he will call you by name, but um, he, want, he knows you, and he wants to grow in relationship with you. And um, I guess taking that step and stepping outside of your comfort zone sometimes um, is going to do that. And, I mean, I share all my deepest, darkest secrets with my friends. So, um, I mean, Jesus is your friend. He's our friend. And he wants to grow in relationship with you. And I think sharing those, I mean... The more you talk, the more you get to know each other. So um, I guess it can be uncomfortable, but share your thoughts. He wants to grow in relationship with you, and I guess that's the most frightening part. Yeah, I think the last way we want to finish up here is just posing the question of how can our relationship with God be strengthened strengthened through breaking down these barriers and truly surrendering um, things of our life to him? And if anybody has any personal testimonies within this that they'd like to share, feel free. Um, I know this is a pretty broad and powerful question, um, but yeah, 
anything that you can say about how our relationship will be strengthened um, through breaking down these barriers and surrender to God. I mean, I just think about times that I have grown the most, um, and it's not when I have uh, played it safe, and it's not when I have uh, tried to uh, pretend like I have it all together. It's been when I've brought things into the light and trusted Jesus. Um, yeah, and I mean, personally, like going into ministry full-time was like not a, a shoe-in decision for me. Um, I remember I was sitting at Winter Conference, and I was kind of kicking around the idea of interning with crew and uh, was thinking about the cost of that um, and just being laughed at by some of my friends, being misunderstood by the world, graduating from a Big Ten university and going into ministry. felt like a really weighty surrender to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, uh, I remember at the time I was reading the Old Testament, and one of the things that stood out to me with how God called his people uh, to tithe, 10%. But it wasn't just any 10%, it was the best. It was like the first fruits right off the top. He didn't say, give me your leftovers, he said, give me the best. Um, and so I just started to think to myself, man, what's the best I have to offer you, Jesus? If I had to tithe my life back to you, uh, what's the best I could offer you? And I remember that thought process really being like, man, I, I can trust Jesus. Actually, I want to give him the best. I want to give them the first fruits. I don't want to give them my leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even from like a personal calling standpoint, uh, I feel like that's something that I want to continue to, to think through is how, how am I best investing my life uh, for you, Jesus? And I think surrender is uh, a topic that's that's funny because uh, I think the moment that we think we figured it out probably is an indicator that we are really far away. Yeah. Um, and again, like there's these, these big moment surrenders in our life. But again, like I think walking with Jesus is a relationship, and it's a moment-by-moment surrender of confessing sin, uh, asking him to fill us with his spirit, asking him to live his life through us. Um, it's a dying to self so that we can actually live with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, my uh, freshman year at UW, I came here. Um, I was definitely a identifying Christian at that time, and uh, I got involved in crew pretty, pretty early on my freshman year, um, but I just had a huge thing that I did not want to surrender to God, and that was really just the, the drinking um, party lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So about the first month and a half of, of college, I was just um, I was just fighting these um, this, this battle in me about knowing that Jesus wants me to surrender this before him, um, and, and I really did know it, but uh, it, it really just um, took trust that, that the fact that when I eventually surrendered, um, you know, underage drinking to God that you know he's gonna have a better he's gonna have a better plan for me mm-hmm. and that um, his will is is good and you know his desire is to um, to sanctify us to make mm-hmm. us holy in fact it says we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ so you can you can try to fight against uh, you know holiness in your life but at the end of the day uh, God God is going to have his way in you and um, I think it was just the the realization for me that, that God is worthy of all things and that I, I couldn't um, just, you know, worship God half-heartedly anymore. I couldn't be be one, one foot in on uh, Monday and then, you know, one foot out on, on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, after, you know, three or so years, uh, I can I can tell all you, you listeners that, you know, God is faithful and that, you know, I'm a different person than I was then. Um, you know, God has totally changed my life, and and now, like Ben, I'm going going into ministry, about to to move over to Zambia to be a missionary, 
and you know God is God is faithful so I would encourage anybody listening just to if there's something in your life to surrender to God just just trust him like he's he's a good and gracious father and he gives good gifts to his his children and I guess going off of that um I know a lot of times um, party scene is the struggle for college kids and um I mean underage drinking that comes with um bars and dance floors and whatnot I don't know if you've ever been to a Christian dance party, but putting God at the center of that, that's the best dance party I've ever been to. And I mean, truly in um, anything in life, if you put God at the center of it, it makes it a million times better. And I just have seen that um, occur over and over and over again in my life, which has been an absolute blessing. And uh, specifically for me, last year at women's retreat, um, the week before, my sister and I got in an argument, and I remember her being like, you're too judgy, and I was like, ha, 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 and then I went to my room and been like, oh my gosh, I judge people way too much, and um, immediately, I was like, I need to surrender this to the Lord, like, I don't want to be judgy, the fact that my sister is calling me out and noticing it, the person that's, um, or one of the people that's closest to me in life, I was like, I need to change, um, and so I guess I prayed about that for a week, and then I went to women's retreat, and the talk was on what I had been praying about. And I was like, Lord, you're doing something here. And um, that night, my sister actually called me. And she said she was struggling with some mental health and just needed someone to talk. And I was able to use everything I had learned in that talk and fill my sister with the Lord's truth and with his word. And uh, we were both bawling by the end of the conversation. So just, I mean, little stuff like that. He's amazing and he works in so many ways and he's truly doing the heavy lifting behind the scenes and I mean not all times you get to see that occur like I did but I guess surrendering that was truly a blessing and even now I catch myself like why do I care what shirt they're wearing or why does why do I care what shoes I wear but um, that truly comes through judgment and comparison and I guess going back to it is a moment-by-moment, minute-by-minute surrender of constantly reminding myself that um, the Lord is with me and I need to throw him at the center of that. Um, it's just, it's difficult, but it's truly a blessing. Going back to your dance party remark, being a Christian isn't boring. And I promise you that if you're going to take anything, what I'm saying is being a Christian is not boring. It's actually the opposite. The amount of joy that you feel, the amount of everything with the community that you're feeling, amazing. I love that. I do think that was something that I really struggled with too. Like even in, in college, I was a believer coming into college, but totally did not walk with God at all uh, my freshman year uh, and most of my sophomore year. Uh, and I remember thinking, man, I, I just don't want to become weird. Like mm-hmm. I like who I am and I, I don't want to change. And, and I realized it's actually uh, it's actually that when I'm walking with Jesus, I'm more myself than I ever was before. Um, he's not going to change my personality. He's going to use my personality to really fall more in love with him, and he's going to use that in my life. And so, I think that was that was really huge. And if I could just kind of have one more thought, like yeah. I think about Jesus saying this um, right after he talks about the rich young ruler. He says, "Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel." who won't receive a hundred times now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come. The many who are first will be last and the last first. 
Um, I think what's amazing about this passage is that Jesus, Jesus doesn't just say, surrender stuff to me and someday it'll be worth it. He actually says, no, like as you surrender things to me, like you're going to receive a hundred times, mm-hmm. not just in the age to come, but also now. Yeah. And I think about as I've surrendered things in my life to Jesus, he's been faithful uh, to reward me and to allow me to trust him with new things. And because of that, like I have friends and and people that I would call my family that I never would have gotten the chance to do that uh, with before. I had experiences uh, where I've seen God work in my life uh, and even work through me sometimes where in ways that I, I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I not surrendered. And so I think what's just really cool about it is that uh, the hope we have in surrendering is not someday uh, I'll, I'll understand the benefits of this, but it's actually now. Like we can trust Jesus to, to provide for us now, even if it might look different uh, than we were thinking. Awesome. I think that was a great way to really wrap everything up in our surrender talk as well. And I think now we're going to move into everybody's favorite minute on working at the wheel. And that is our reference minute. Um, So for those of you who haven't listened before, our reference minute is just a time for our guests to throw in some cheap plugs for whatever they're reading, listening to, um, or anything like that, whether it be about the topic of surrender, just anything that has really helped them in their faith walk. So I'll open it up to anybody who wants to start. Um, Dropping some cheap plugs. First of all, Katie, I'm proud of you for surrendering your fear of uh, LaCroix. How's the coconut LaCroix <laughs> treating you? It's so weird because it truly, it's so good. it tastes like what sunscreen smells. <laughs> but it's so good. Coconut LaCroix is by far the best, I think. And just to say, too, when Ben said that he didn't want to end up being weird, we are sitting <laughs> in his basement right now with how, how many bobbleheads are down here? Uh, give or take 450. So about a thousand little eyeballs staring (laughs) at us as we're recording. So if we sound a little bit nervous today, that's why. (laughs) Uh, One of the books that's been really helpful for me is a really small uh, read, but it's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, written by Tim Keller. Um, And I think that's really helped me remember that uh, the world says, "Ah, don't worry about what other people think about you. Worry about what you think about yourself. And I think... Jesus says, actually, don't even worry about what you think about yourself. Worry about what I think about you mm. and how uh, your identity is really secure. And again, kind of remembering those truths, even though I can know them, remembering them uh, makes me want to bring stuff to the Lord uh, consistently and remember that, that he wants me to. So I would highly recommend that book. Short read. You could probably read it in one or two sittings. Sweet. I got another shorter book. A couple hundred pages, maybe. I don't know exactly. <laughs> but... It's uh, called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. And uh, it's actually essentially kind of about um, prayer and uh, just the necessity for, for prayer. But that book was really impactful in my life. I've read it a couple times now, probably read it a couple more at least. <laughs> and it just really talks about just the, the need to be like completely, you know, it really, it really urges the necessity uh, and centrality of, of prayer in the Christian life. And I, I do believe that it is, is very hard to surrender things to God apart from, um, you know, a, a having a, you know, a practice of prayer in your life. Um, if, if there's a quote in there, uh, that, there's a quote out there I like, and I, th- I think I got most of it. It's, uh, <laughs> if, if you're a pastor um, and, and you're not praying, you're playing if you're a, if you're in the congregation and not praying, you're straying. So, <laughs> um, anyways, that, that that's a good book. And uh, but but don't it's not for the faint of heart. You're you're gonna have to change if you read the book. So, <laughs> um, one book that I have read that truly comes to mind is "Don't Waste Your Life" by John Piper. 
um, it's amazing to hear about all the ways that um, you can truly live and that is truly putting God at the center of everything you do. Um, and just every time I read it, I just get chills. It's just amazing the the quotes he has in there and the the verses he uses to back himself up. And um, it's just such an amazing read and truly ties exactly into what we're talking about. So I encourage everyone to read Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. Awesome, guys. Well, I really appreciate those references. I appreciate all of you being here today and, of course, all 450 bobbleheads that are joining us silently. <laughs> but Feel free to swing on by and uh, take a tour of the museum. There yeah. you go. There you go. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to us today. Um, we will be having two more episodes in our Identity Theft series coming up in the upcoming weeks. But, yeah, we hope you guys have a great week, and we'll catch you later. Bye. See you guys. See ya. Thanks for having me.